Hey there. Welcome to Coffee with the Docs. We are a holistic lifestyle podcast where we give integrative solutions and bring brilliant experts to help you thrive. Mind, body, and spirit. We are doctors Nicole Huffman and Abby Kramer, and we're so happy you're here. Fresh. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee of the Docs. We are so excited for this episode. We have it on, have had it on the books for a long time. We had the pleasure of interviewing Rob Wolf, who's the founder of Element Electrolytes, which is Dr. Nicole and I's new favorite electrolyte replacement drink. And it was so awesome to have him on. It was so fun. Honestly, I am like a salt aficionado and I felt like I know nothing about salt. <laughs> right. I was like, wow. I mean, people literally give me salt for Christmas because I love it so much. And right. now I feel like, and now, you know, know so there's more. no way you're getting enough, even though you're obsessed yeah. with it, which is crazy. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. So think about That's the crazy. average person. Yeah. Yes. That most people are like a little like afraid of salt almost. So yeah, you guys, it's think, awesome because he yeah. dispels so many myths around salt or sodium, as a lot of people call it, and just how important it is for our health. And that's a huge differentiator between element electrolytes and others is it's very salt forward. So for some people, it takes a little getting used to the taste. I love it because I love sweet and salty things. Um my three-year-old daughter loves it. She calls it her watermelon juice. That's her favorite flavor. Aww, she has it every nice. night. The only one I don't like, I'll give it all to her. She'll take all the watermelon. Um, and it's awesome. It's just so well balanced for our biochemistry and like everything we require. Yeah, it's, and so you guys can try it. There's going to be a link in the show notes and definitely let us know what your favorite flavor is. And we hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Yeah. And with that link, by the way, you guys, you can get a starter pack, which is like a packet of each flavor they have basically for free. You just pay five bucks for shipping. So definitely take advantage of that. It's a great way to try it out and see what you like. Love it. All right. Enjoy guys. Hey everyone, welcome to Coffee with the Docs. We are really excited to have Rob with us today. Rob, thanks so much for being on. I will bring down property values anywhere that people are foolish enough to let me in. So thanks for having me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Colorado needs it, so it's fine. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> um, so this is, I've been really excited to interview you personally because I'm like a huge electrolyte person. I was actually just telling Dr. Abby before we jumped on that I don't even drink water without electrolytes in it. So I'm right. super excited. Um, Rob, before we get started, I'm just going to have you give a little intro of yourself to our audience. Oh man, I, I am entering that phase of my life where it's the wandering old man story. Uh, I did an undergrad in biochemistry, was looking at, at medical school or a research track and became very ill, uh, developed ulcerative colitis bad enough that they uh, thought I would either die or need surgery or immunosuppressant drugs. And it was in trying to figure out what to do 
with that, that this whole diet idea of a paleo diet ancestral health got on my radar and fortunately was able to really reverse most of the gut issues that I had there, but it was, um, such a profound effect for me that I really wasn't sure if I wanted to do the standard medical, you know, process. And mm -hmm. it was not long after that. So that was 1998 when, when the kind of ulcerative colitis really hit its high mark. And then a couple of years after that, I was casting around online and found this weird workout called CrossFit and started doing that with my friend, Dave Warner, who's a retired Navy SEAL. And within a couple of, I don't know, three, four months, we had about 15 people that were training with us in his garage in Seattle. And I reached out to the Glassmans who had founded CrossFit and said, Hey, we want to open a gym. We want to call it CrossFit. Can we do that? And they said, yes, go for it. Uh, there was no contract or anything for about four or five years, which tells you how, how loose and kind of wild west that all was, but I got, uh, involved with co-founding the first and fourth CrossFit affiliate gyms in the world. And then been able to work with just a, a remarkable, you know, cross-section of different folks from elite athletes, police, military fire. But my, my real, um, passion has always been working with folks who have complex gut and autoimmune issues, basically very similar to myself. Like I've gotten healthier over time, but I have to say I'm probably the toughest nut that I've, I've ever had to crack on, you know, figuring out what, what's going on with my, my, uh, gut and autoimmune issues. And so that's what I've been doing for 23 years now. I've written a couple of New York times, bestselling books, uh, started getting into some kind of angel investing early startups around sustainability and health. I wrote a book, sacred cow, which if folks are watching the video, they can see <laughs> the, the image for that over one of my shoulders. And that is a project that I did with Diana Rogers, basically looking at the health, environmental, and ethical considerations of a meat-inclusive food system. There's definitely a lot of uh, discussion around the world that um, animals in our, our food systems are the primary driver of climate change and, and whatnot. And we have a, a bit of a different perspective on that and have mm -hmm. both a book and a <clears throat> film that, that looks into that story and tries to provide some, some, an alternate view of that, that whole, you know, narrative. Love that. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. Yeah. So because our podcasts were called coffee with the docs, when we kick off the interviews, we always ask our guests the same two questions. So the first question is, what are you currently drinking? What's your current drink of choice? And the second question is, what is your latest biohack? Oh man. So the current drink is just a, an orange flavored element. I literally just finished, uh, I was going to say, if you don't with, say element, this is like, not yeah. good. well, well the, the, had you, had we started this 10 minutes earlier it would not have been element, but I, I managed to <laughs> grab that one. It was just plain old Ooh. coffee here a, a few minutes ago. And, um, I, I hate the term biohack, like with the fires Perfect. of 10,000 suns. Um, uh, it, it, what would you like to uh, call it? <sighs> Learning? I don't know. Like the, the, the whole hack thing to me is, is it, it suggests. It, so biology is a shockingly dynamic, complex system. Mm -hmm. And there are things that have disproportionate impact both beneficially and negatively because of the kind of fractal nature of biology, you know, um, 
our environment feeds into our, our individual health, our gut microbiome feeds into the health, you know, the gut microbiome of the soil, you know, all this stuff is super interrelated. There are some big picture things like sleep and movement and circadian biology that I think have disproportionate impact. And so yeah. I, I guess one of the things that has, has, because we did move further North this, this past year, and I tend to suffer from some seasonal affective disorder type stuff. I have been doing sauna, uh, four to five days a week. And I I've got to say, um, when the sun does come out up here, I am a happier, better person, but mm -hmm. I have not completely augured into a mountainside the way that I thought I would given how, how, you know, comparatively dark and overcast and, and indoors I have been. So just basic dry sauna, um, try to get in four to six okay. days a week. Uh, and I do one cycle. I stay in as long as I can hand handle on the first go through, because what I've found in the past is that I would get out, do the cold shower, get back in. And I would do that multiple times and it would really deplete me. So mm -hmm. I do yeah. one, one cycle. I will do a cool shower at the end just to bring my body temperature down and I'll get to where I'm just a little bit cool. And, and, uh, I, I need to force my body to then warm back up, but I don't go super cold. I've found that, um, really gnarly cold exposure is not great for me. Like it, it is such a stress that, uh, and I used to be quite good at it and I I'm trying to get better at that. I mean, I, I, um, I plowed snow off of my front front yard this morning and it, it was, uh, uh, literally zero degrees Fahrenheit. And I mean, I, I, <laughs> I was chilly, but you know, getting into cold water is just uncomfortable at this point. So I do mm -hmm. a sauna. Yeah. I do a little bit of, of a shower afterwards to just not sweat, uh, through all the rest of my clothes. And I, I do one cycle and that's been working marvelously. I feel really good with that. Nice. That's awesome. I love saunas. And I do think there's like, even though it's a good stress, it's so good to know, like what's actually ends up being more depleting than helping. Right. Yeah. I know some people that will do four or five cycles, like they'll do 20 minutes and then they will do a shower and then they'll do 20 minutes in a shower. And I would be nuked after that. Like it would feel yeah. like a really hard CrossFit workout or something if I did that, but they, right. These folks seem fine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're adrenal. That's all right. amazing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not falling out of their backs. Yeah, I'd be falling out. Yeah. Um, so it, it sounds like you gave us a pretty good background of how you got into like the health world and everything, but how did you get into element? Where was the electrolyte piece and how did that come in? Unfortunately, the electrolyte piece was nowhere on my radar until just a few years ago, because I've eaten a fairly low carb diet for 23 years. Uh, Cognitively, I feel great with that. Like I have no blood sugar highs or lows. Um, uh, I don't get hangry. Uh, I don't do a ton of fasting, but you know, if I have to skip a meal, I can skip a meal and it doesn't, doesn't phase me at all, but I've always kind of struggled. Like I, I do Brazilian jujitsu. I do some crossfit -y type workouts occasionally. And those things are pretty glycogen demanding and a low carb diet doesn't really, the fueling doesn't match the activity all that well. And, um, I just thought that that was, you know, what was me, this is my situation, but I kept poking around looking for, you know, something I needed to do. Like, do I do some pre-workout carbs some post-workout carbs? And some of that stuff worked better or worse under different circumstances. But 
I, I found these two guys, Tyler Cartwright and Luis Villasenor, who are the founders of this, this online program called Keto Games. And they just, man, the, the success they have with body recomposition with, with folks is just stunning. And it's probably 80, 85% women, 35 to 55, like really interesting demo and an interesting demo in that they're, you know, they're mainly keto fueled, but there's not like people dropping dead from thyroid issues and, you know, right. uh, uh, early menopause and like all these bugaboos that you would really associate with kind of a, a low carb diet. And I started chatting with them, like, what are you guys doing? And do two big things, uh, adequate protein, like they are just unbending in making sure that people get adequate protein about a gram of protein per pound of lean body mass, all the way up to a gram of protein per pound of body weight, you know, as kind of the, mm -hmm. the bracket. So significant, significant amount yeah, of protein. And then they are just steadfast in, uh, making sure that people get adequate electrolytes, specifically sodium. Like you, you need potassium, you need magnesium also, but the sodium piece was really the thing that they're like, you have to get that. And if you don't get that, you're going to have problems. And this is something as a biochemist, I should have thought about this. There's the naturesis of fasting. When people have a low carb, low insulin environment, uh, aldosterone is downregulated. When we downregulate aldosterone, we tend to retain less sodium. So we tend to shed water and potassium. And it's this downward spiral, spiral that's really quite nasty. And people will feel horrible kind of in perpetuity, but for sure, when they first start a lower carb diet, and mm -hmm. this can happen when people are eating a standard American diet and even just go to like, uh, uh, you know, minimally processed, uh, uh Mediterranean type diet, you know, it, it, mm -hmm. it, that, that big Delta in, in, uh, insulin load can be a, a big deal and people can feel horrible. So they looked at what I was doing and they said, you need more electrolytes, specifically sodium. And because I'm a biochemist and have two New York times, bestselling books, I was like, no, I'm totally good on that stuff. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking two world experts in this, yeah. but I'm going to ignore their <laughs> advice and I'm going to go another year until I keep whining and bitching about my, my, you know, sorrowful state. And they're like, no, really, you need more electrolytes <laughs> weigh and measure all your food, weigh and measure all your electrolytes, use something like chronometer and chronometer is cool. Cause it tells you the protein carbs fat, but it also shows like potassium, magnesium, mm. sodium, phosphorus, all this stuff. And so they told me you need to be getting a minimum of five grams of sodium a day. Like that is bare minimum. I was getting less than two. And then they wow. said, try drinking some pickle juice and then go do a workout. So I drank some pickle juice and I did a workout and I felt amazing. Like I, I felt um, wonderful, like that low gear that I need for cardio and for, you know, really grinding at kind of glycolytic activity. It was just like a light switch was flipped. Mm. And again, when you think about life, sodium, potassium pumps being the drivers of ATP production, it's like, oh, well, no wonder that was a problem. Like I've been chronically deficient in sodium, you know, because I'm eating a minimally processed diet and I salted my food, but I wasn't afraid of salting my food, but it was totally inadequate for when you combined my activity level, minimally processed diet. And the fact I was eating low carb, like I needed mm -hmm. way, way more sodium. And so once I fixed that, it was just a miracle for me. And I was all excited about it. And, and, uh, and those guys were very kind to me, but they're like, you're an idiot. We've known this for like 10 <laughs> years, you know? And, uh, and so, um, 
I suggested that we put together this, this downloadable guide that we call keto aid. I'm like, everybody needs this. They're like, yeah, mm-hmm. everybody does. So it was, uh, take this much sodium, this much potassium from, so, you know, table salt, potassium chloride from no salt, some uh, magnesium citrate, lemon juice, stevia, water, shake it up. And we called it keto aid and people started drinking it. And they're like, this is amazing. We feel so much better. And within like five months, six months, we had a half million downloads of this thing. Like it was bonkers how huge this went. And it clearly was addressing this, this need. And we had no designs on like starting a, a electrolyte or salt company, but folks started tagging us on social media and they're like, Hey, this keto aid is awesome. But when I travel, the three bags of white powder that I have in my bag are a problem with TSA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you guys make Shocking. some sort of like a stick pack deal or something? And so we looked at it, but it was literally, I had a problem. It took me a while to figure out how to fix it. I knew that this was a problem that so many other people were, you know, experiencing. So we did this freemium thing. Like we just gave this keto aid recipe away. We didn't even ask for emails or anything. It was just totally like, Hey, let's just address this, but it's so addressed this, this need, uh, for adequate electrolytes, specifically sodium that it just went kind of viral. And then the folks using it gave us the feedback. They're like, this is cool, but we would pay money for something that was more convenient. And that was the whole Genesis of the company. And we're three years in, and I think element is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies in the world right now. Like it's kind of shocking how quickly it's growing. And five years ago, I would have laughed if somebody said, you're going to be the the grand poobah like this electrolyte (laughs) company selling salt. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's awesome. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You know, and we still have that, that free downloadable, guide for folks. It's a uh, drinkelement.com forward slash uh, homebrew. So that still gets a, a lot of traction, but w- what people find is like the element packs taste really good and they're convenient. They're like, I don't want to homebrew it anymore. So, Absolutely. So people pay for convenience for yeah. sure. Yeah. Now I'd love for you to break down a little bit more for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with electrolytes and all that. Why are these electrolytes so important for people to consume? I, I don't know where to, to jump in, like where is a good jump in spot, but, but uh, being a geek and not having a lot of social outlets, uh, I tend to jump into like the, you know, the biochemistry kind of yes. side of this. And if you look at the most tightly regulated features of our physiology, pH and electrolyte are arguably the most tightly regulated, you know, features of our, our, our physiology. Um, mm-hmm. If somebody shows up unconscious to an emergency room, we do some blood work immediately and we determine what their electrolyte status is and what their, their blood pH is. Because if it's off, if either one of those are high or low or off in some way, it could kill the person, certainly make them sick and they could die Mm -hmm. rapidly from it. So from just a, a basic life perspective pH and electrolytes are really critical to our functioning and they operate within very narrow bounds for the most part. Um, electrolytes are interesting, particularly sodium in that you can, you could do a blood test and like, I may not be overtly deficient in say sodium or potassium on the blood test, but I may be chronically deficient in those items 
But what's happening is that I'm dietarily low in sodium and potassium, mm -hmm. but I store a lot of that stuff on my bones. And so then my body will extract it out of the bones. Mm -hmm. So I don't look deficient on blood work, but I'm deficient at a macro level. And mm -hmm. I'm actually mm -hmm. accelerating osteoporosis, osteopenia because of this, because we pull calcium out at the same time. Yep. So, mm -hmm. um, so electrolytes are a little bit squirrely to get your, your hands on because you, you know, it's like a vitamin D test. Are you, are you deficient, adequate, or super physiological? You know, we can really pin that stuff down. Whereas electrolytes are, have a very dynamic process in the body. If we overconsume sodium, you only have maybe a 20 minute window. We're on a, a bit of blood work. We would be, you know, elevated in sodium because the kidneys do a really good job of sorting it out and in, in, in excreting excess sodium in the urine. When we start seeing excess sodium, potassium, magnesium, um, chronically, it's usually due to some sort of like kidney issue, a gut issue, um, throwing up so that the person becomes alkalotic. They, they dump a bunch of physiological acid. And so, you, you know, we start creating other problems that the body is trying to, to keep up with, but it's both simple and really complex at the, at the same time, you know, for this, this electrolyte status, but every single thing that occurs in a cell is driven by sodium potassium pumps. We, we create this gradient in, in our, our cells and more sodium outside the cell, more potassium inside the cell. And when those things equilibrate or drive forward, this is where we, we generate ATP and energy it's how nerve impulses occur. It's how muscles contract, you know, it's the initiating process of muscles. Mm -hmm. It is literally the currency of life, you know, is, is this sodium potassium pump interaction. And so if something gets off on our electrolytes, we're going to notice it. We will function suboptimally. And usually the things that we notice first, it's kind of cognitive issues, uh, maybe some brain fog, not, not firing super sharp, um, lethargy, fatigue. And it's only kind of late in the game when people start experiencing things like cramping that, uh, the electrolyte deficiency is really gone to mm. a significant spot. Like by the time the person is cramping, um, from, from sodium deficiency in particular, like they, they're really far down the, the path of electrolyte, uh, insufficiency. And they usually have been operating for minutes or hours, very suboptimally, mm. you know, their cognition has been low, uh, fine motor skills are starting to degrade because of the, you know, the dysregulation of nerve impulses from sodium potassium imbalances and whatnot. So I know that was a lot. I kind of bounced all over the place. I don't know if I gave a, a good answer on why it's, it's important, but I mean, the, the electrolyte status is just this, um, this critical feature of life itself. And the body really works to maintain a specific ratio of sodium to potassium in particular and, and magnesium and calcium are important too, but they're kind of secondarily important relative to the sodium and potassium. Uh, potassium's a big deal because most people eat highly processed diets that are devoid in potassium and excess in sodium. But then maybe in our world, people shift to a minimally processed diet which then gets adequate potassium, but then tends to be sodium deficient, mm -hmm. ironically. So it, it's interesting when people do the diligence, do the good thing of shifting their diet and eating minimally processed food, ironically, they need much more sodium because they're, they're typically not getting much, if any of it from the, the diet.
Right. And I think there's kind of a myth that like you only need electrolytes if you're like an elite athlete. Right. 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 So I think a lot of people might be thinking, why do I need to replace electrolytes? Like I'm not an NFL football player, whatever the people on the Gatorade commercials. Right. So I think there's kind of a misunderstanding there that even in normal life, it's hard to get adequate levels of these things that are so essential. Yeah. You know, if you, if you look at like a, a legitimate Mediterranean diet, uh, where people are eating traditionally salted foods, salami, olives, pickles, sauerkraut type, type stuff, and they're getting meat, seafood, fruits, vegetables, the meat, seafood, fruits, vegetables are rich in potassium and magnesium. These, uh, uh, traditional fermented foods, pickles, sauerkraut, olives, you know, uh, kimchi, those sorts of things. They're rich in sodium. You could get most average people and even athletes to a certain degree could get by on that without doing something like element because they're getting all the electrolytes they need from their diet. And then they'll just consume liquids and, and everything will, will work out. But most people don't eat that way. You know, even the folks that are, are eating better, they're not, people are afraid of lunch meat, you know, uh, uh, traditional meats like salami and even, even some things like anchovies and, and, uh, sardines and stuff like that. Um, uh, pickles are, and olives are really rich sources of sodium, like 10 olives provide a, a gram of sodium. So it, mm. it, it is, it's, it's very doable to get adequate electrolytes from the diet, but you need a diet that is really kind of oriented a, a particular way. If you look right. at like a, a traditional a Korean diet, that's got a lot of kimchi, a little bit of soy sauce, like there's some rich sodium sources there and they're getting fish and they're getting meat and they're getting vegetables and some rice that are providing the potassium and magnesium. In that situation, the person probably needs to be pretty high motor, pretty high activity, or in a lot of heat or humidity before they really do need electrolytes, you know, where mm-hmm. they would need something like, like, um, element, but I rarely eat that way on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Like I, I try say, to have olives with each right? meal and, and all that, yeah. but it's just like, sometimes I, I, you know, I, I just don't get it all done. So, right. yeah, totally makes sense. What do you think some of the current issues are with some of the more like standard electrolyte drinks that are out there right now? They're the two, two things. They're grossly underpowered in sodium and they mm-hmm. tend to have a ton of sugar in them. And the, the yeah. inadequate sodium is because we are, are scared of cardiovascular disease, hypertension, and hypertension is a, is a big deal. It's a major, you know, risk factor for cardiovascular disease, both stroke and heart attack. But the, the bugger with that, and, and sodium is a factor in that. Our body retains sodium and this increases fluid volume. And if this, you know, carries forward sufficiently, then we will end up with hypertension. The thing is though, is that low sodium diets in hypertensive people does not produce a normotensive endpoint. It reduces blood pressure a little bit. It's a couple, couple of, couple of bumps here and there. And then, you know, like a sodium sensitive hyper responder, if they do like a, uh, you know, a Vietnamese soup, like a far or something that's got a bunch of sodium in it, they will see a pretty good transient increase in their blood pressure, but it will also come back down. But what's the driver in all that is excess insulin. 
folks are overeating mm-hmm. in general, they're overeating carbs and refined carbs mm-hmm. in particular. And this causes an increase in sodium, which causes an overexpression of aldosterone. Aldosterone causes us to retain sodium. We retain sodium, we retain water, and there you go. And it, it's, it's interesting that uh, the good in many randomized control trials looking at low sodium or even no sodium diets in hypertensive individuals And again, you could remove the sodium out of the diet for the most part. The person is still eating a hyperinsulinemic diet and they will still be hypertensive because Mm -hmm. they're just pulling sodium out of their bones (laughs) and hanging on to that to to be hypertensive. And this is one of the, the kind of weird things that just gets dismissed about lower carb diets is that people tend to diurese. They tend to pee a lot when they begin a low carb diet because they're shifting their fluid balance. And that's good up to the point that we'd normalize blood pressure, but it can overshoot. This is where folks on low carb diets can sometimes like pass out or get lightheaded going from seated to standing, almost like a POTS type of type of scenario. And they definitely need to supplement their, their sodium in that case. But the, you know, the, the focus has been reduced sodium, reduced sodium. We have great and, and ubiquitous studies looking at reduced sodium intake, and it really doesn't move the needle. And, and in fact, yeah. low, low sodium diets for some folks ends up driving hypertension because it causes the body to then excrete potassium to try to regain that balance. And then they, they end up with the re- the really gnarly, um, uh, forms of hypertension that, that seem to correlate strongly with that, that really, uh, aggressive early cardiovascular disease process. And it's actually driven by overly low sodium. So I, it, you know, if somebody's eating a standard American diet and they're overweight and they're, they're, uh, hypertensive, they don't need to supplement electrolytes. Like they need to modify their diet at, at a basic level. But if people shift to anything, you know, approximating a whole minimally processed diet, they're typically reducing their, their dietary sodium intake sources. So they need to start looking around a little bit about how else they're going to plug that, that gap with the sodium in particular. Awesome. I'm so glad you went into that and kind of dispelled all of that. The myths on salt. I love it. Yeah. And you know, just as an aside, um, when, when Gatorade was first released, the very, very first release, we had, uh, uh, one of our, our, friends go to uh, Florida state Gatorade hall of fame. And they have like one of the first boxes of the first product. And it had a gram of sodium in it originally and a lot less sugar. Wow. And over the wow. course of time, it's had a ton more sugar and a lot less sodium. So, I mean, in, in the beginning, it was, it was actually a really craftily formulated uh, uh, product. And prior to even Gatorade, like the, the old kind of sports lore was chew on a salt tablet and then just sip water to, to satiety. Hmm. And that worked wonderfully. And you didn't have people who were every marathon, every triathlon, there are people that, that get hospitalized, occasionally die from overhydrating. They, they deplete Mm -hmm. their, their sodium status to a degree that they, they get cerebral edema and can, can die from it. And this wow. kind of old school recommendation of chew on a salt tablet and then just sip water to satiety like that. That's actually like, that is far better advice than like the plethora of, of sports drinks that, um, and, and certainly far better than just 
drink eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day. doesn't matter your size. doesn't matter how much right. electrolytes you're taking in. doesn't matter heat or humidity or anything else. Like there's some really injurious, uh, uh, recommendations that were made with zero scientific background, but seemed like just, you know, good, good recommendation, but ended up actually being terrible. What wow. would your take be on how much water people should drink? No, that's like Man, a loaded question, but it's so varied, you know, are we talking a six foot four athletic male, a five foot two computer programmer, female who's indoors most of the time. And, you know, temperature controlled, um, I, it, it so varies from person to person. Like, uh, we we've done some work with some NHL teams and the, these, you know, 200, 210 pound guys, like pretty big, pretty athletic mm-hmm. guys. They will lose 10 pounds of water during a game or practice session. Wow. And they will wow. lose 10 grams of sodium during that process. So what's their recommendation? Right. You know, right. versus like, so it, 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 it's really all over the map and, and it kind of stinks because um, it, it's probably the most imprecise part of all this stuff, you know, with like, well, how much should I take? Well, I, I, I don't really know. So bracketing is that I think most people would benefit from getting at least five grams of sodium per day in the context mm-hmm. of a minimally processed whole food diet so that they're getting adequate potassium and magnesium and then drink water to satiety, you mm-hmm. know, so that you, you feel good. But the, the thing about that is that sodium needs maybe double or almost triple that for a, a given individual, depending on what their activity level is like right, right before COVID uh, my family and I went to Costa Rica for a jujitsu camp. And it's um, the camp is in a, a, a nice building, but it's a steel building up on a hill. So it gets a, a cross breeze, but it's 94 degrees, 96% humidity with the sun shining on the building. It's fucking hot. Oh my gosh. You know? right. Right. And I've got, yeah. a, I've got a gi on and I've got people mashing me and you do that for three hours, I would do three, three and a half liters of water with, with, um, six grams of sodium in it during that window alone, just to avoid cramping. Right. And if I, and if I didn't stay on top of that, I started getting like the toe cramps and stuff like that, which I, I, even at that level, and I was barely peeing. I mean, I, I just, yeah, my, my key was just sopping wet. And now I live in, in, um, Montana. My needs are a 10th of, of what that, that was, you know? Um, yeah. so it, it really, so the, the helpful thing I think is to make people aware of what, uh, increases sodium and, and electrolyte needs, increased temperature, increased humidity, although, cold, like overt cold can, can increase those, uh, needs, especially if you're doing Alpine type stuff, you know, like skiing, mm-hmm. snowboarding, cause when you're at altitude, the air is drier. And so mm-hmm. that, that can increase need. And the bugger with cold weather is that your desire to drink fluids is less like you just mm-hmm. in, innately want to drink less. So it's easier to get into problems with that. Um, being a super sweater is problematic and that's mainly men, although some women kind of fall into this category, but, uh, you can have two people, same size, same weight. And one person will literally dump twice as much sweat as the other person. And the super sweater Mm -hmm. not only is losing more fluid, but is losing more than double the sodium 
of the, the other person. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, what are the other things, physical activity, you know, so heat, humidity, uh, temperature, um, humidity, physical activity, all those things really play into increasing um, water and electrolyte needs. So awesome. fascinating. It makes perfect sense though. It does. And it's kind of, it's the last thing that folks usually think about too, ironically. I mean, it was the last thing I ever thought about. I can't tell you how many hikes I went on where at the end of the hike, my hands were like swollen up like balloons and I was like lightheaded and everything because I was just drinking water the whole day. And I was starting to get into that, that, um, hyponatremic, um, brain swelling, (laughs) you know, too much potassium situation. And it, it was just not on my radar at all. Yeah. Huh. So, so I live in Colorado, right? We're at a decent altitude, just like 5,000 feet. And I live on a ranch now. So we're outside all the time. And it was also negative one degrees Fahrenheit with us this morning too. But my hands swell, I feel like a lot. And I have been doing more of the element stuff. And that was one of the things I was so excited about asking you about is you know, a lot of people are sort of reframing their beliefs around salt. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so glad you went into all of that, but if you do get too much, so you're saying the swelling is actually a lack of like too little sodium with too much water in general. Yes. Um, if we have somebody who is hyperinsulinemic and they're retaining sodium due to that, that overexpression of aldosterone, that could be a different scenario. But if we start getting into some of that, like pitting edema and stuff like that, it's usually potassium. That's the, the biggie. Hmm. Like if you think about folks that end up on dialysis, what are they really concerned about potassium? Like the potassium is what can kill them, you know? So it's not to say you do, you know, dialysis is a whole other thing because you do need to manage both sodium and potassium and total fluid balance. But the potassium is really the thing that ends up killing people, not sodium specifically. So I, I would just get like, how many, how many elements are you doing like in a day? And do you have a sense of what your, how much other I, electrolytes? I know my insulin, I know my insulin is pretty low. Um, mm-hmm. I just had it tested, but I probably do like in one of these big things. So for people who are listening, it's like 32 ounces. I'll usually do like half of a packet and then you should be doing a whole packet, a whole packet. Got yeah. It. Yeah. The half Got a pack it. is too little. You're actually still fostering that, that, uh, hyponatremic. You're, you're consuming a bunch okay. of fluid inadequate relative to, um, sodium. Yeah. Ironically, Ooh, I, I, oh, so the okay. easy experiment, um, uh, Mind uh, do, blown. yeah, uh, do a full pack and maybe even only fill okay. that bottle to 30 ounces instead of 32. And yeah. then just okay. see if your, your hands don't swell then. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Perfect. But it's it Let's do it live. Yeah. <laughs> Just show us your hands in 30 minutes. It's super counterintuitive, I'm... right? You know, yes, it's like, it no, is. you consume sodium and you bloat and it's like, well, sometimes right. maybe, but yeah. Yeah. It's actually the opposite. Cool. And does in that same question, does the type of salt matter? Right. Cause everyone's sort of like sea salt has to be that now the white salt, you know, like does it, what type of salt, I guess, is used in element and does it, we just it use matter? plain old sodium chloride. And there are people that uh, uh, we get it from upstate New York and we do plain sodium chloride because we want to know exactly how much sodium and chloride mm-hmm. we are, are giving to people. And, uh, 
as a biochemist, um, I am left wondering, how do I want to say this somewhat politically, but um, there's some remarkable mythology that gets spun up around salt and what salt is giving you. And it's like, oh, it's got these minerals and this magic. And, and uh, um, I, I haven't really seen a lot of magic from, from salt. In, in that regard, like if you like them for a different flavor or, you know, different presentation, that's right. That's great. But, um, yeah, I just, at the end of the day, it's the sodium chloride that's the doing sodium chloride. Things. That's the really important stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I know people are religious zealots about that stuff. Like they, they want my head on a pike for not, you know, yeah. th- this, um, salt that is left over from a thousand years of like Tibetan monk yeah. tears that have filled this well <laughs> and dried. And, uh, and, and, right. and I, yes. I, I wish, I wish we had a story around that, but we just don't like, we get some pure sodium chloride from upstate New York. It's yeah. very, very pure. It's like minimal, you, you know, like uh, we get it uh, triple tested. So like trying to keep all the heavy metals and all that. So right. one of the problems yeah. with, sodium is that if they do blasting to get it, the, the blasting has heavy metals as part of the explosive. Ooh. So we, all of our, the stuff that we get is basically hand mined and all that type of jive. So that wow. that's the main thing is I'm actually more concerned about no. impurities than, than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Wow. I guess, I mean, it's salt, but, uh, it, I find it interesting. So. <laughs> but I would never no, have thought it's... about the heavy metal thing. I mean, like anything, the sourcing matters, you know? Yeah. 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 Wow. Cool. So do you have any sort of benchmark? Obviously we talked about like in the situations where you would like definitely need more electrolytes, more sodium, et cetera. But like the average Joe, is there a time of day that you feel like is better to consume element or like a great electrolyte drink? Can you overdo it? Is there something like, okay, you should not be having eight packs in a day. So if you, if you do overdo it, a a good number of people get disaster pants, like they get kind of the whoosh effect and, uh, uh, you, you don't want to be too far away from a bathroom. Um, that that's most people end up with, with something like that. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I said that uh, I, I, I didn't like the term biohack. There is one thing that I, I would say is a little bit of a, a potential hack. Um, it helps both men and women, but I would say a little bit more men, but it, no, no, it, it's true on both sides. People who wake up in the middle of the night to pee, um, you, you should huh. probably curtail fluid intake earlier in the day and all that type right. of stuff. But if you take a half a teaspoon to a teaspoon of, of, uh, Uh, table salt, put it in just a scant little bit of water and then shoot that down. And it uh, downregulates anti-diuretic hormone uh, expression. So you will, you will tend to not create as much urine volume because it's trying to retain water to balance that, that bolus of sodium. And we've seen people uh, really improve their HRV score from taking a little bolus of sodium before bed and they, they sleep better because they, oh. they don't wake up needing to pee. So, and again, that doesn't have to be element. That's just like a cool. quarter half yeah. or a full teaspoon, scant little bit of water. Like you don't want to do, you know, teaspoon and then this much water. That's not right. going to work because right. you're going to be peeing all that right. out, but just a scant little bit, um, cool. shoot that down. And, and so that, and 
again, like I would say more men generally report on that, but my wife has done this and, and, you know, she, she was a chronic, like wake up at like four 30, you know, right. right at that spot where like your sleep is so good and you don't want to wake up. And she started doing this and, and definitely noticed sleeping through the night better. And I've been doing it for a long time. That was a Chris master John piece that, uh, that I stole that from. That's awesome. Cool. Okay. So a couple of my patients have, um, so we, you know, we're like blasting element everywhere because <laughs> we love it. And a couple of my patients have said, you know, when I do it, I actually feel more thirsty. What would, what would that mean? I would want to know how much water they're putting it in. Like if they're over okay. it, let, let's say like, I think kind of optimum range is somewhere around like 20 to 30 ounces, you know, with a, a stick pack, it's, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's still hypotonic that way, but, uh, if they go really concentrated, like if they did one stick pack in say like 16 ounces, it could be hypertonic. Yeah. It's, it's mm -hmm. more salt than what their body has, which would then reasonably it, it increase their thirst mechanisms. Yeah. So I, <clears throat> I would need to know how much fluid they're, they're consuming Water, it with. And also like what, what's their other yeah. stuff? Like, are they eating a bunch, are they actually eating a bunch of salty food and they're doing some other stuff mm -hmm. that is, is, uh, or it's, uh, they didn't necessarily up that sodium intake. That. Yeah. Maybe they didn't yeah. need as much. Yeah. Yeah. I yep. think it's really important. You talked about that whole piece when people really are starting to do more low carb, how they actually really do need more sodium. I know that when I take patients through keto, we always trace minerals just like goes along with it now element. Right. Um, but still it's not as talked about even with just more of like a paleo low carb diet. So I'm super mm -hmm. glad yeah. you mentioned that. And, you know, early, early on, uh, Lauren Cordain, kind of the, the main guy that popularized the, the paleo diet, very smart guy, lots of great contributions, but he suggested that there were all these potential health negative health effects of consuming sodium chloride of, of consuming table salt. And I think he just mm -hmm. ended up being wrong on that. Like I, it was a good hypothesis. Right. It was fine. And I think yeah. under some circumstances it's problematic, but I think by and large, he, he was wrong on that. So within paleo land, the folks that were really into that, mm -hmm. which I'm definitely one of those folks, there's some, some, uh, hangover around this sense that like, oh, we shouldn't be consuming a lot of salt. And it just as yeah. a, a side deal, um, I think it was around 2005, might've been earlier than that, but around 2005, I was hanging out with Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit. I was in Santa Cruz helping at one of the certifications. And he just kind of commented, he, he recommended kind of a lower carb zone type diet, which definitely isn't keto, but I mean, it, it's in the, it's in the neighborhood. It's a, you know, a definitely more moderate uh, carbon take, but he commented that he had noticed that people needed at least five grams of sodium a day, or they were lightheaded and had uh, kind of retrograde or, or retrograde performance that their performance started degrading. And that so long as they made sure to stay on top of their sodium, that they were good. And I remember that, but I never really like grokked it. Like I never put it into practice. I'm like, well, what is five grams of sodium? I just assumed that salting my food vigorously would, mm -hmm. would get me there, but it wasn't even getting me to like the AMA guidelines, which was two grams of sodium, wow. you know? Yeah. Wow. yeah. So fat. I've always been a massive food salter. People yeah. are like, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, I'm doing it right. My adrenals <laughs> do it. 
I was too. And it was, it, it's shocking well, like, how point, little salt you actually get in. Like even yeah, when you're, gosh, is that conspicuous salt or like, it, unless you're doing like a soup or something where you can really stuff it in there. Like it, it's, um, it's surprising that. how little salt you're actually getting that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, share with us any new, exciting new things coming out with you guys. Oh man. Like just in general or element or. I mean, anything. Yeah. Anything. Um, Anything. I I don't have a ton. Like I, I, (laughs) I, uh, I work from home with my, I have my kids. We homeschool. Um, we're doing a lot of skiing and snowboarding and sledding. Uh, Amazing. I, I, the last two years, the last two years have been the first two years in about 15 years that I haven't traveled much for work. And, um, I don't know that I'm ever going to travel for work again. Like I, (laughs) I, um, I love being places. I love seeing people, you know, being at events and stuff like that. But, uh, the travel so kicks my ass and, and takes so much just kind of physically and psychically that we're noodling on maybe doing some retreats or some, some shindigs in and around the the glacier area. Because I mean, people like coming here both in the summer and the winter. Mm -hmm. So I might spin something up with element, you know, for, for people heading out this way. I know that there's like, uh, Palo FX and metabolic health summit and, you know, uh, keto con and some different things going on. And I, I'm very, uh, uh, fortunate to have been invited to speak at all or most of these. And I, I have declined all, all of them so far. Cause I just, <laughs> I, by the time I got, you know, this, I really be like being home and, you know, both my, my kids are uh, seven and nine years old now. So they're really fun to be around, but it's also this, this, you know, this window of time where like each next yeah. year is going to be huge. Like my oldest yeah. is going to be gone in another nine years, potentially, right. you know? So right. it's uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just kind of hunkered in doing that stuff and helping with element where I, where I can and kind of trying to provide some uh, uh, to the best that I can, some, you know, rational, uh, analysis around the world that we're in, you know, COVID and all the, all the rest of this stuff and yeah. trying to do it in a way that I don't get canceled overtly, but right. also caring right. less and less about that. I'm like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> if I got canceled, that would be good. Like I wouldn't yeah. have to go yeah. on social media then. So <laughs> uh, you just need to go on Joe yeah. Rogan and it'll happen in no time. Right. Yeah, right. You'll be yeah. fine. Canceled in a second. <laughs> right. <laughs> what we all aspire to. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so if people want to try Element, we have a link and it'll be in the show notes and we hope you do. Currently, my favorite flavor is the raspberry one. It goes so fast and then I'm like so sad and can't wait till I get my next monthly ship. So there's that. Oh, and Dr. Abby and I are super into the chocolate mint. Hot chocolate. In like a, oh, yeah. At so nighttime. It's the best. A little coconut so, milk. Yep. Good to go. Yeah. 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 It's like hot chocolate. It's amazing. Are you guys um, out of that yet? Are you still It's almost it? gone. Like the, the chocolate mint is, I mean, I like gotta order a, more. a week maybe left of stock and then it's, it's gone. Till okay. Well, order. sorry guys. By the yeah. time you hear this, it might be it gone. Maybe gone. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that great anyway. It's totally fine. Yeah. yeah. Just so Dr. <laughs> don't Abby buy it. Just buy kidding. It Could always get yeah, the regular hot uh, chocolate one. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, that's true. You could add like a little peppermint yeah, essential oil. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Um, we loved having you on. You're hilarious. How can people find you? Uh, I do a decent amount of work over at Element. So if they follow the the link to y'all's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the free plus shipping deal, they can find the work that I do over there. Um, my wife and I do a podcast called the Healthy Rebellion Radio. Mm. That's about it. Like I, I, uh, I pretty much uh, abandoned social media the better part of a year ago. Like I put stuff on there, but I don't like curate comments and I'm, I'm really noodling on spinning up a sub stack and, and shutting all mm-hmm. of my social media outlets off and yeah. um, might be career suicide. But again, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm ready to be a farmer or something, Good for you. something totally different, but <laughs> it, it's, a lot uh, of people are there. Yeah. It, it's so toxic Perfect. and broken that I'm kind of like, I, yes. I just, you know, even for my own self-protection, I'm, I'm kind of right. ready to do that. So I've been writing like my breakup piece. So right. we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazing. Perfect. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Rob. We really loved do, having you. Do you all remember the the movie Spies Like Us? No. Even vaguely. It's Chevy Chase. It's an old movie. Y'all are younger than I am, but there's a spot in there where, where a bunch of doctors meet and they're like, doctor, 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 <laughs> yeah. doctor, doctor. And, and it just made me think of that. So yeah, yeah there you go. Look it up after okay, this. Spies, spies Like Us, doctor. And, all right. and check that out. Yeah. Perfect. We'll do it. The statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the FDA. Information provided here and products recommended or sold on coffeewiththedocs.com and or our podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by the site and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a face-to-face consultation with your physician and should not be construed as medical advice of any sort. By using any of this information or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health and health decisions and expressly release Dr. Nicole Huffman and Dr. Abby Kramer and its partners and guests from any and all liability whatsoever, including that arising from negligence.